This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. Last week, we started a series called Surviving the Storm, and what we're talking about is we all have storms that come to us. Uh, Last week, we were saying that some storms are caused by choices that we make, certain things that uh, we, uh, we make certain decisions, and those storms are caused by the decisions that we made. We brought it on. Maybe we made some mistakes, some failures in our past are starting to come back to us. Some storms are caused by things that we did not do, but someone else did. Maybe uh, your company that you work for is downsizing, and so you get laid off. You didn't do anything to cause that storm in your life, but it is based on the decision of someone else. Uh, Maybe a mate uh, uh, had an affair and cheated on you, and you did nothing wrong, but there is now, based on the decisions of someone else, you have a storm going on in your life. And then thirdly, we said that there are also some storms that are not the result of a decision that someone made. Some storms are just part of life. And uh, those things would be like, say, if uh, an actual storm, a tornado, you know, we live in the south, we get tornadoes, you're in tornado season, tornado comes and, and takes your house out. It's not based on the decision or the choice of someone, but it was just an act of nature. It was just one of the really sucky parts of life. Uh, sometimes things just happen. And what we're going to talk to you about is What we're talking about in this series is we want to help equip you not how to avoid storms, but how to survive the storms. Because you can do your best to try to avoid storms, but inevitably storms come to all of us. And you'll never reach a point in your walk with God. You'll never reach a point in your life where you're done with the storms. As long as you're breathing, you're going to face storms. That's a fact of life. It's part of the fallen world that we live in. So what we want to do is we want to give you real things that you can do, real tools that you can use in order of how to survive the storms of life. And today, what we're talking about is hope, faith, and you. Hope, faith, and you. What do you do when the storms are here? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's uh, awesome. It's one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. It's a great chapter on love, where uh, Paul talks about love is patient, love is kind. And he talks about all these things that love is. It's a very famous, even people who aren't Christians have heard this chapter. It's beautiful, beautifully written. In verse 13, he closes out, he says, These things will last forever. In another translation, he says, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love are the things that will last forever. And the greatest of these is love. Now, today we're not talking about love, but we are talking about hope and faith. There is a big difference between hope and faith. A lot of people don't know that. In modern-day society, hope and faith are two words that have really become synonymous with each other. They've, we we in, exchange them and use them 
incorrectly, you know, will say that, uh, you know, I'm hoping for something, or I've got, you know, I, you know if you were to ask me, what, what is hope? And it's like, oh, well, it's, you know, when you're really, you're wishing for something, you know, and I've got, I'm having faith for something, that, that's wishing for something. That's what a lot of people would say. They'd interchange the words hope and faith, but they're two very different things. Now, they are related. Obviously, right here, there are three things that will last forever, hope, faith, and love. So obviously, hope and faith are connected in some way, but they are two very different things. If they were the same thing, then Paul would have said it, but he says three things will last forever. He didn't say two things, you know, hope and faith and love. It's faith, hope, and love, three things. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, we don't know fully who wrote the book of Hebrews, but I personally think that it was Paul that wrote the book of Hebrews. Uh, it matches his writing style. He says, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Another translation says that faith gives substance to things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of the things that we do not see. So obviously, hope and faith, again, are two separate things. Connected, but they're two separate things. So let's take a look at hope. Hope is a positive expectation of things in the future. It's believing that good things are going to happen. I hope that... I'm going to get a new car. <laughs> I hope that I'm going to get a raise. I hope, I hope, I hope. It's just simple, simply, it's, it's wishful thinking, which is not bad. It's a good thing. Hope is a powerful force. In fact, a lot of people, they think they're operating in faith, but in actuality, they're only operating in hope. And they, get, they do get good feelings from it because hope is a spiritual force. So good things do come from hope, but you were never meant to stop with hope. Hope is simply the beginning of the journey. Hope is the first step. Now, you cannot have faith without hope. It's impossible to have faith without hope. My mother used to always say that hope is the rope that you swing on to get to faith. You have to have hope in order to get to faith. So, looking at hope, hope is a positive expectation of things in the future. Now, for me personally, whenever I think about faith, there's a lot of different stories in the Bible that are great examples of faith, but for me personally, there's no one in the Bible that comes to mind that has a greater example of faith than the story of Abraham. In fact, Abraham is called the father of faith. In the Jewish culture, that's who they look to. I mean, obviously, Moses is uh, uh, someone that is huge in the Jewish culture. That is their, their uh, not their Messiah, but he is the, uh, the pre-Messiah. He is the one that is giving a shadow of what the Messiah will be. And, and that's who Moses really was. Now, Moses is very important in the Jewish faith, but... Abraham also plays an extremely big role for them. He's the father. He's the one that started it all. He's the father of their nation, and they call him the father 
of faith because Abraham gives us such a wonderful example of what it's like walking in faith. So today we're going to look at Abraham. And uh, I know that uh, I've got on my notes, we're going to start with Genesis 12, but uh, I want to skip forward to one verse and then we'll come back to it. Romans 4, verse 16. Paul is talking, and Paul wrote the book of Romans to a church that they uh, were having issues with faith, having issues walking in faith. And so he's explained to them, and he says, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all, who see, uh, to all the seed, talking about the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are, of, who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who did, uh, whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things that do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, talking about Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old at the time, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, what God had promised, God was able to perform. Now, Paul right here is talking about Abraham, saying, look, we're talking about faith. Abraham is the best example of faith. Abraham went through a lot of things, but through it all, he did not waver. He did not give up. Abraham was fully convinced. He hoped when it was hopeless. When there was no hope, he had hope. And that's what we're going to talk about today because we all face times where everything seems hopeless at some point or another. Whether they truly are hopeless, for us personally, it feels hopeless. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now, the Lord had said to Abram, this was, it just, if, if you're not familiar with my friend Abraham, uh, Abraham started out, his name was Abram, and he was 75 years old when we meet Abraham, and he was married to a woman named Sarai, and God calls Abram, and he says, Abram, I am the God that created you, and he says, I have something for you. I have a future for you. I have a destiny for you. Now, I want you to go to the place that I will show you. I always thought that was interesting because, you know, that's the way God tends to do. You know, wouldn't it be nice if God would, when he calls us, he would tell us exactly what all is going to happen. He'd say, all right, here's what I'm going to do. This is what's going to happen, blah, 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 blah. You ready? But God doesn't work that way. God says, are you ready? And you're like, for what? And he's like, just trust me. (laughs) Okay, God. (laughs) <laughs> Where are we going to go? To the place that I'm going to show you. All right. 
let's, let's do this. So God says, it says, uh, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, I had them highlight these uh, little words right here that are showing the, the tense. They're in the future tense. Notice it's I will, I will, I will, I shall. And everything that God's telling them, it is all about what is to come. Remember what we said hope is? Hope is a positive expectation for the future. Genesis 12, verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will, I will again, I will give this land. And there he, Abram, built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. What is God doing right now? God is talking in the future tense, and what God is doing is he is building, uh, he's putting hope inside of Abram. He's putting hope inside him. He's giving him a vision for the future. He's giving something uh, uh, to look forward to. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I've called you to. He's putting hope inside of Abraham. And like we said, faith has to work with hope. You know, I've heard, I've heard people say that Abraham uh, had a 25-year uh, walk of faith, and that's not true. Abraham had a 25-year development of faith because Abraham first had to get hope inside of him. He had to take that hope and he had to believe that hope. He had to trust that hope and be willing to do something with that hope. Abraham was developing a walk of, of hope and it developed into a walk of faith. Hope, if I had to describe it to give you a, a, like a, a natural example, hope is like a blueprint. It's like a model. It's, uh, it's uh, if you've ever uh, seen like a, with like a building campaign or something like that, they'll have like a model of what it's going to look like. Sometimes now they'll do actually like a 3D model on the screen where you can fly through. Maybe if you've worked with uh, an architect to uh, build a house. Maybe you, you had a house that you were uh, having built. The architect showed you a blueprint. He showed you a design of what it's going to look like. That's what hope is like. Hope is a blueprint. It's what God is wanting to do. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, because there's a lot of things that God wants to do that will never happen. The Bible says that it's God's will that all be saved, but we know not everyone gets saved. That's where we come in. God has things that he wants for your life, but you determine what's going to happen. So hope is a blueprint. God is giving Abraham a picture of what the future could hold. Let's go to chapter 13, verse uh, 14. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, so Lot 
was Abram's nephew. And Abraham had no children. He had none at all. Abraham's uh, 75 years old, and he and his wife have uh, been childless. They haven't been able to have any children. And God is promising Abraham. He's given him all these hopes, and he's saying, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And he's talking about your descendants and this and that. And, and Abraham's thinking, I, I don't have any kids. And I'm pretty old. So probably what Abraham was thinking, okay, well, here's my nephew. Maybe, maybe it's all going to be through him. Maybe what God's talking about is going to do, it's going to come through my nephew, maybe his descendants, and that's part of my family. So what God did was he had Abraham and Lot separate. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, God said, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I will, notice it's the future tense again, I will give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I will give it to you. God is creating hope in Abraham. He's putting hope inside of him. Let's move on to chapter 15, verse 1. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing that I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliza of Damascus. It's, it, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Abram said, you know, God, you, you've had Lot, my nephew, the only blood member, blood family that I've got here. You've had him separate from me. So you're saying all this stuff's going to happen, that I'm going to have all these descendants, but yet here I am, an old man, my wife is old, and it's, Impossible for us to have kids. It's very, very unlikely. I don't get it. The only person that I've got that I could even pass anything on to is just the servant who was born in my house. Give me a sign. Is is that what we're talking about here? Is that what's going to happen? And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. So God says, look, this one is actually going to come from you. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven. Count the stars if you are able to number them. Okay, God, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. God, this is going to take forever. Okay, I get it. I get what you're saying. There's a lot of stars up there. And God says, if someone was able to number the stars, then also they would be able to number your descendants. So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord. And he accounted it 
to righteousness for him. Abraham believed. God gave him hope, and Abraham said, okay, God, I trust you. I believe you. And God counted it as righteous of Abraham. Once again, it's hope. Notice the tense. Hope is always expressed in the future tense. Hope is always expressed in the future tense. Abraham's 25-year development of faith begins with hope. It's looking towards the future. When you're going through a storm, when, when you feel like what God has called you to do, what God has said, here is a hope, here's a desire. When God has put something inside of you, but you feel like you are ill-equipped for it, you don't have the right tools to do what you believe God is calling you to do. It's a tough situation. God, I believe that you've called me to be a father of this family, to lead this family. I know what the Bible says that a husband's to do. I know that I need to be taking care of my family. Or maybe as a mother, you're a single mom, and, and you know that it's your responsibility to take care of these children and to provide for them. But I don't feel that I have the tools. What I see is not lining up with what you've said. There's a disconnect. This is why God took so long with Abraham. Because God wanted Abraham to get to a point in his life where he was completely and utterly hopeless. He wanted him to get to a point where the situation, the, the facts, the, the feelings, the failures, where everything said it, it's hopeless. God wanted to use Abraham as an example for the rest of us. He wanted Abraham to be a father of faith, but Abraham can't be a father of faith and an example of faith for the rest of us unless Abraham gets to a point where it's hopeless. That's why it says that when there was no hope, Abraham believed in hope. You know, most people don't ever face a truly, utterly hopeless situation. Maybe you've been diagnosed with cancer and been given a year to live or less. It's not truly hopeless because people beat cancer every day. Maybe your finances, you're getting calls from creditors and you're at the point of losing your home, losing your car, losing all the things that it takes to survive. It's not truly hopeless because people get help every day. Most of us will never face a truly hopeless situation the way that Abraham did, because here's the thing, 75 years old, yeah, you know, it's obviously less likely, but the possibility is still there. Okay, yeah, you could have a child. 85 years old, it's getting really iffy there, but 100 years old, I mean, there's no way in heck that you're going to have a child. I mean, it's just, 
That is a hopeless situation. That's impossible. No way a 100-year-old man is going to have a child. God wanted to get Abraham to a point in his life where the situation was completely hopeless. But yet Abraham held on to hope. Proverbs 13, verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you don't have hope, you get depressed. I'm sure there's people in here who have felt that way. Maybe some of you are feeling that way right now. That's where you are. You, you've lost your hope. It's hard to even get yourself out of bed in the morning. You don't know why, but you feel like you're drowning. You feel hopeless. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. This verse tells us another thing about hope. Hope is a desire. Hope is a desire. When you are battling things, when the storm is raging and and everything around you says it's impossible, it's very easy to lose hope. It's very easy to lose the desire to do the thing that used to excite you. But you can't let go of hope. You have to hold on to that desire. And it starts exactly the way it started with Abraham. You believe it. When everything says it's not going to happen, when everything seems impossible, you choose to believe. Okay, God. I choose to hope. I choose to believe. God's promises give us a reason to hope. And they're the basis of our faith. So we've been talking about hope. We want to talk about faith now. And this is the point in the story of Abraham where everything changes. Right here. Chapter 17, Genesis chapter 17, verse verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, so it's been some time, a good bit of time has passed, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will, there it is again, will, I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face And God talked to him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. Here's where it changes. Notice how it goes from the future tense to right here it says, For I have made you a father of many nations. 
God says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. I'm building hope in you. I'm giving you a vision, a hope for the future. These are the promises that I have for you. But then it gets to a point where Abraham has been believing, he's been hoping, and he's been believing the promises of God. And God says, okay, I just did it. It's done. It's settled. This is your answer. I've made you a father of many nations. See, that's the difference between hope and faith. Hope says it's going to happen. Faith says God has done it. God has already done it. By his stripes, I have been healed. By his stripes, I have been healed. That's faith. Faith says God has done it. Hope says it's going to happen. So going back to Romans chapter 4, where Paul is recounting the story of Abraham. He says, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. What is it? What is of it where he's talking about? He says, it is of faith. He's talking about our salvation. Our salvation is based on faith. Jesus did not appear to you. Jesus didn't give any type of evidence to you that he was real. You chose to believe based on faith. Someone told you about Jesus. A pastor was up here and he said some things. Or maybe your grandmother or your mom or your dad or somebody in your life presented the gospel to you. And that gave you hope. And then you took a step. You took faith. And you were saved. It's by faith that we are saved according to grace, meaning we didn't do anything. There's nothing that we can do to say, well, because I'm a good person, God saved me. No, it's based on grace. We didn't deserve it. God, out of his grace, out of his mercy, saved us. So therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promises might be sure to all the seed, all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law. See, what the, 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 in the book of Romans, the church that he was talking to, what they were dealing with is they were believing that they were saved and that there, it, was, it was all based on their works, based on obeying the law and the teaching of Moses. And Paul's saying, okay, yeah, that, that, that's good, but that is not why we are saved. We are saved because of our faith and because of God's grace. It's not based on what, I, what I'd done it's based on what he did and my acceptance of it. So that the promises might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. See, Paul, he, he caught it, that that was the point when it all changed from hope to faith when Abraham stepped out of hope and into faith. For as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him, God, whom he believed, 
God who also gives life to the dead and calls those things that do not exist as though they did. Faith is calling things that don't exist as if they did. Speaking of those things, faith is saying, hey, even though I don't see it, I believe it. It's already happened. See, God said, I have made you a father of many nations. Was there a son standing there? No. Abraham had not had a son yet. But in God's eyes, it had already happened. And Abraham believed it. I believe that that was the moment when all of a sudden God did something inside of Abraham's body and inside of Sarah's that made it to where they were all of a sudden able to produce a child. I believe that's the moment when everything changed. You know, earlier we said that hope is like a blueprint. It's the vision, it's, it's the model, it's the blueprint of what is to come. So with hope being like a blueprint, faith is the construction crew. Faith is the, are, are the workers that go and they get it done. They look at the blueprint. They see what it is. This is what we're going to be doing. This is what we're working towards. Faith is the construction crew that makes it happen. And see, here's the thing. When you're building a house, when you're building something, you can't just go in and just start turning dirt and, and digging holes and putting stuff together. You've got to have a blueprint. You've got to have a model. You've got to have a vision of what it is that we're working towards. What is it we're building You can't have faith without hope. And to be more accurate, I would say that faith is like an invisible construction crew because faith works in the invisible arena. So it's really almost like, imagine if at your job, they are remodeling all the offices in there, but they don't want to disrupt the work that people have to do. So what they're going to do is they hire a construction crew to come in and to work on it at nighttime. So while you're at home, while you're asleep, the construction crew is there, they're doing the remodeling, and every morning you come in, and you didn't see anyone hammering anything, you didn't see anybody working on something, but you walk in and you see, hey, something's been done, there's some changes, I'm seeing something. You don't always see when faith is taking place, you don't always see it happening but there comes a point where you start to notice a difference so hope is a blueprint and faith is a construction crew now this is where you come in Romans 4 continuing he says who talking about Abraham who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken so shall your descendants be and not being weak in faith he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb he didn't look at the facts he didn't believe the facts he chose to believe in hope and to believe in faith Now, it doesn't mean that you deny the facts. It doesn't mean you you look in the mirror and you see a hundred-year-old 
person standing there and you're just like, oh man, I'm 28 years old. Or, you know, you don't deny the truth. You can acknowledge the facts, but it doesn't mean that that's what you have to believe in. You don't have to deny the fact that you've been diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, you can say, yes, I have cancer, but God's going to heal me. You, do, you accept the truth, you accept the facts, but you choose to put your hope in the promises of God. You don't put your hope in the facts. You don't put your hope in your past failures. You don't put your hope in your feelings. You put your hope in God and in his promises. You cannot stay strong in your faith if you, if you continually consider the natural negatives. This is why Jesus says that to have faith like a child. Because a kid, they're such a great example of this because they just trust. You know, a kid doesn't sit there and worry about how they're going to get their next meal. A kid doesn't worry how the, the light bill is going to get paid. A kid doesn't worry, you know, how uh, the electric, you know, or how, how, how the, 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 the gas bill is going to get paid or how the mortgage is going to get paid. They just trust that it's going to be taken care of. That's what God is saying. That's what Jesus says when he says, have the faith of a child, is that it's saying, God, I don't have to understand how it's going to happen I just trust you that it's going to happen. God, I trust you that when your word says that I am healed, I trust you that even though the doctor says this, and I see this in my body, and I feel this way, I trust you that your promise is true and that it's in effect for me that I am healed. That's what faith is. It's ha it is believing. You've taken hope and you've believed his promises. And now you're calling it. Even though you don't see it, you're calling it as though it were. He did not waver, talking about Abraham, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. What God had promised, God is also able to do. Now, who convinced Abraham? He was fully persuaded. Who persuaded him? Did God persuade Abraham? No. Because if God is given the task of persuading us to believe, then it's a open, closed case because God never fails. We'd all believe. We'd all be persuaded, but that's not the case. God has not been given the task of convincing us, persuading us. Abraham convinced himself. We are given the task of persuading ourselves. God says, here's what I'm going to do. We have to choose to believe it. We have to choose to step out and walk in faith. And so what I want to say today is hope is a blueprint. Faith is the construction crew. And you are the foreman. 
a foreman's job is to know what the blueprints say. They know what, here's the job that we're going to do. And then he's overseeing it, and he's making sure, okay, we're going to, uh, he makes sure that the crew is going to do it according to the blueprints, according to the plans. Your job is to look at the designs that God has given you, and you're going to ensure that what is happening is based on the vision God has given you. You have to make that choice. You have to drive that. God's not going to do it for you. You have the responsibility of convincing yourself to believe. Jesus taught this very thing in the book of Mark, chapter 11. It says, So Jesus answered them and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. So Jesus is saying, look, it's up to you. I've already told you it can be done. Your job is to believe it. You have to say it. Don't doubt it, but believe it. The thing is, you must learn to have it by faith before you have it by sight. You have to learn to believe it, to trust it, to have already reached into the spiritual realm and said, hey, it's mine. I may not have it in my hand, but I've got it. You have to learn to have it by faith before you can have it by sight. Before we close, uh, this is an example when, you know, I've taught the kids over in Kid Life in our children's church area, first through fifth grade. We've talked a lot about faith with them over the past few years. And uh, when looking for an example of how can we, I like to give them a, a visual, an illustration, something they can remember of, about faith. And so here is, I want to show you guys the example that, that uh, we use when we talk to them about faith. And we say that faith is a rope. It's the rope of faith. All right? We've taught them about the rope of faith. Now, the thing about a rope is that it helps you to get the thing that you want. You know, cowboys, when they'd be lassoing, you know, like a cow or a horse or something, they don't have the horse or the cow or whatever in their hand at that moment, but they have it by the rope. They have it by the rope. It's the rope of faith. When we pray and we believe God's promises, we've hoped, and we're calling those things as though they were, we have it by faith. So this right here represents the gifts of God, the promises of God. And you have to have it with faith. You have to use your faith in order to get the promises of God. And that's where a lot of people mess up. They'll say, um, 
you know, they'll maybe say a prayer and they'll ask God for something, but then that's it. They're done. They don't use their faith. They just say, God, you know, uh, help me pass this test. <laughs> you know, they'll stay up all night, you know, college students and not study. And then they sit down with the pen and paper and they're like, oh, God, please. You know, I promise I'll be in church Sunday if you help me get through this test. You know, but they're, they're not doing the things that they need to do in order to get the answer they're looking for. So this is what we say. We say that when you stand on God's promises, when you believe God's promises and you have hope and you act in faith, you pray, you ask God, and then you, you after you pray, you say, God, I, God, I need a raise. I need something because I'm barely able to make ends meet. And I've cut everything I can out of our finances. I don't know what I'm going to do. God, I need your help. You say that you will provide all of our needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. God, I'm believing you, and I thank you that your promises are true. And I thank you that you are providing for my needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. When you say that, and you stand on the promises of God, it's like you're casting out this rope. You're throwing out your faith, and you're attaching to your answer. Now, do I have my answer in my hand? No, I don't. My answer is not here yet. It's in heaven. And I need to get it down to earth. But I have it by faith. Because I've attached my faith to the promises of God. It's not in my hand, but I do have it. Now, the problem is, what a lot of people do is they stop at this point and they let go. They've let go of the rope. They've let go of their faith. Man, I don't see it happening. I thought this prayer stuff worked. I thought tithing was supposed to work. I don't see it. They dropped their rope. What you have to do and what we've told the kids is you pray, you ask God for it. Now, you don't pray and ask God again because the Bible says that if we pray according to his will, that the answer is yes and amen. So we, that means we believe that God has heard us and that when we pray according to his will, his answer is yes. Now, obviously, it's God's will that you know, we're able to take care of our family, we're able to take care of our needs and pay our bills and all that stuff, so... The answer is yes. So instead of praying and asking again, from this point on, what you do is you pray and you thank God for it. God, I thank you that you heard my prayer. I thank you that your answer is yes. I thank you, God, that even though I don't see the promise yet, even though I don't see it in my hands, even though I don't see that fi- the money, the finances, I know it's on its way. I don't know how you're going to do it, God. I don't care, but I trust that you're going to do it, and I know you're going to do it, and I believe you, God. And as you do that, you're bringing your answer down to you. But again, what happens a lot is the devil, he comes and he attacks you. Maybe you pray and ask for your finances to get better, and not only does that not happen, 
but your finances get worse. All of a sudden, your tire blows out or, or your engine needs to be repaired and you've got a $2,000 repair that you don't have the money for. And you weren't expecting. God, where are you? I prayed. Nothing's happening. I'm not going to go to church today. I don't feel like it. Nothing good's coming from it. I'll, I'll, I'll go to church when God shows up in my life. When I see God do something. They were so close. Their answer was right there, and yet they dropped their rope. They let go of their faith. And I think that there are so many, so many answers that people have looked for, that people have believed for, that have gotten, have gotten dropped halfway between heaven and earth. Don't drop your rope. Even when the facts say it's not going to happen, even when your past failures tell you it's not going to happen, even when your feelings are saying it's not going to happen, you keep saying, God, I thank you. I thank you that your promises are true. I think you've heard me, and I thank you it's going to happen. And one day, you're going to have your answer. You'll have it in your hand. You won't have it by faith anymore. You will actually have it in your hand. And that's the way faith works. Now, I have one more note, and it's something the Bible tells us about faith. That faith works with one other thing, and it's patience. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. You got to be patient because we're not like lab rats. If life was to where you say a prayer and immediately it happens, I mean, it required no faith at all. God wants us to have faith because our development of faith is a development of who we are. And God's more concerned about who you are than what you get. Now, God is concerned about what you get, but the most important thing is he's concerned about you, your development, who you become. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. And my last verse comes from Hebrews 10, 35, and it says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Don't cast away your faith. Don't drop your rope, which has great reward. Don't drop it. Your reward is coming. Believe in hope. Call faith. Call those things as though, call the things that are not as though they were. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Don't drop your rope. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.